Have you ever thought about the fact that people in the church should have the healthiest relationships? After all, you've got a room full of people trying to look like Christ. So in theory, relationships in the church should be marked by love and joy and kindness, yet so often they are just as messy and just as broken as they are anywhere else. We decided that's not okay. So we sat down with some of our people and just started asking questions in an attempt to figure out where things have gone wrong. So if you felt for a while like there's something off about relationships in the church, you're not alone. And we'd love to invite you on this journey as we figure out what it looks like to do this well. Welcome to Something's Off. Welcome to another episode of Something's Off. I'm your host, Joshua Story, and I'm joined this week by my co-host, Michael Coiner. Uh, Michael, walk us through where we're going on this episode. Yeah, thanks, Josh, for asking uh, me and my wife, Jessica, to sit down in the studio uh, with Jeff and Whitney, who we love, um, and actually get to talk about these tough questions. You asked some real doozies, and I remember walking out of there thinking, what did we just record? <laughs> Are we going to be okay with what we just said in the in the microphones? Um, but then listening back to it, actually, and seeing such, um, honestly, some wisdom from the Holy Spirit just come out in our conversation, but also honesty and brokenness and stuff that we are still wrestling with, um, I believe is super helpful for any person listening, whether you're in a relationship or not, um, understanding that brokenness exists everywhere and it even comes into marriage because you've got now two broken people together and so you're now seeing it more actually and um, while marriage is fun and exciting and it should be that and Jess and I have been um, together for almost a decade now and with two kids we've had a lot of fun but we've also had a lot of challenges and I think that the questions you asked were so much in the spirit of this idea of the podcast series, Something's Off, because it allows us to talk about that openly. And I think anyone listening, whether you're in a relationship or not, you're going to be able to have encouragement and hope. And um, anyway, I can't wait to kind of wrap this up at the end and talk about next steps and resources. But for now, let's get into the conversation, shall we? Let's do it. Here is that conversation on what's off with marriage. Well, all right. Welcome to the podcast. It's good to have the Macintoshes here with us. How are you guys? Great. Great. Yeah, Great. Doing well. I love that. Excited. Cool. Well, there is uh, so much that I want us to cover together um, about specifically what's off with marriage and just the shocks and frustrations and all the things that we kind of walk into and think, oh, I didn't know that was part of this. Um, but I don't want to lose sight of the fact that there's a bunch of really fun, amazing things that come along with marriage as well. So yes. starting off, uh, walk us through some of the joys that y'all have experienced as a married, married couple. Yeah. Whitney, would you like to start? <laughs> sure. So, yeah, we love being married. We highly recommend marriage. Um, I, I love, um, yeah, so many things of marriage. There have been things that we'll get into, you know, um, just vulnerability, like, 
later on that have been hard and stuff. But I think overall marriage is two thumbs up. (laughs) My favorite thing about being married to Jeff is that, and friends that were close to us when we got married said, y'all just have so much fun together and you are a hundred percent yourselves when you're together. And so that's something that has been true. Our whole marriage is um, getting to know one another throughout the past four, we'll be four years married. Um, this fall. And so, I don't know, that's my favorite thing about yeah. marriage. We have a lot of fun together. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of fun together. I, we were talking about this last night. Um, and I think, and this is super grand sweeping, I think I think the best thing about marriage, um, and we'll, again, hit on this, more of this later, I'm sure. But I think the best thing about marriage is we were talking about how it is the closest thing this side of eternity um, in terms of intimacy and knowing another person mm. um, that is similar to our relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's no other relationship that is like it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that has been... A total gift. Yeah, a mm-hmm. gift. And then also shocking at times. You're yeah. like, wow, she knows me better Closest. than I wanted her to know me, <laughs> you know, in some ways. I think that's what, why Tim Keller says, you know, we are constantly getting to know the person that we married is yeah. because we change in different seasons. And we've, even in our short time married, we've seen each other change, um, through circumstances or, you know, moves or like different, different, um, different jobs we've had and things like that, that have really changed us. And so we've, I've had to get to know Jeff in different seasons. He's had to get to know me in different seasons, but it's all a joy. It's, it, that's not to say it's not, you know, it doesn't have its hard things, but it's really, yeah, such a blessing. Yeah. Almost as if you, you're going to be married to multiple people throughout the course of your marriage. Exactly. And it's the same person just because different things come out in different seasons and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, this is this version of that person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I laugh because I thought I knew Jeff really well when before we got married, but you have no idea. <laughs> You're really in it. You have no idea with me. What yeah. did I get into? Yeah. With so anyone, mysterious. I think, when you yeah, get married. Honestly. So, yeah, that's my favorite part about marriage is being yeah fully known, mm. fully loved by Jeff, but um, because it is such a reflection of our Father's love for us, but we're also human, you know, and we're also not perfect like our father in heaven is. And so, um, yeah, that comes with hard stuff too, but it's all good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the shocks and frustrations. I think a lot of people, when they enter marriage, have this incredible view of it because it is incredible. Mm -hmm. But I think there are things along the way that they find and they think, oh, wow, yeah, I didn't expect that. Or that was a new, or that kind of came as a shock. What were some of the things that were really shocking for y'all when y'all first got married? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. I think I think the biggest thing for me, uh, and this this may sound really elementary um, for folks who are listening, but just I had an idea about how you do things or how things are done, right. and then the same, and then my wife had a completely different idea about how what? certain things are done. Right? I mean, it's shocking. Um, but like, for instance. Uh, as a single guy living in uh, our apartment in Charlotte, um, bef- right before we got married, um, I would, after doing the laundry, I would hang up my shirts on hangers to let them dry, but I would just like hang them across the um, mantle, the mantle yeah. you know, because no one else is around. So it's like no big deal. Uh, and then the first in time- In our living room. In our living room. Um, <laughs> but 
you know, it was my living room at the time. And okay. the first time Whitney, <laughs> uh-oh, hello, we'll hello. Later. Yeah. The first time Whitney saw me do that, she was like, what in Well, the I was just like, why? Like, doing? why here in the middle of, anyway, that's And just in my mind, example. I was like, I'll tell you why. Super easy. It's an easy place to hang clothes, you know. Um, there are so many things like that. that yeah. yeah, you have a certain way of doing it. Um, yeah, just as a single person and then you enter marriage and you kind of have to relearn, you know, a routine around or alongside someone else. And that's yeah. hard and funny. Yeah. And that's a silly example. There are also more like um, our first Christmas um, I think I think oh, you'll yeah. appreciate me sharing the story. So our first Christmas we went out after Thanksgiving and bought a Christmas tree and we brought it home and we decided early on as a family, like, Hey, we want to create family traditions that are just like, this is what the Macintoshes Mm -hmm. do. Yeah. So one of those was the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we get our Christmas tree and we set it up and we have breakfast for dinner. Um, and that's, that's what we do. Yeah. So we brought home the Christmas tree. Um, it was in its stand in the living room and I was maybe Making dinner or cleaning well, I up. I think dinner. I was. I was like, "Oh, I'll like clean up dinner. You put the lights on," is what I said. You put the lights on the tree. Oh yes, that's right. And then you <laughs> said, "Wait, why? You help put the lights on the tree." But growing up for me, my dad as like a service to my mom because the lights are frustrating. They get all right. tangled and they. Um, yeah, they just sometimes don't work and like half the tree's lit and the other half's dark. And so it's just like a frustrating thing. So as a service to my mom, my dad would go ahead and light the whole tree or do the lights. And then the kids and her would come in with the ornaments. And so in my brain, I was like, Jeff will do the lights. Right. And we, but we didn't communicate that. We had that. not talked about right. this. We're also not even a month into marriage. We got er- married in, in early November. November. Not and even so, a month into marriage. So, and so I yeah. hadn't communicated that. He didn't know that was true of my family growing up. And so then I just start crying in the middle of our- Literally bawling. <laughs> bawling, crying. And I, I have no idea why. And I'm like, my dad usually does it. You should do it. You know, and it was just like this whole like mess. And again, funny illustration. But yeah. like, that's kind of what we're talking about when those were some, I think communication was something that was really hard mm-hmm. at first in marriage and understanding one another. Cause yeah. again, you think, you know, someone in seriously dating them or even engagement, but you just don't until you live with them until you get that extended time. And, um, yeah. And so I think that was kind of one of our, our first shocks of marriage. Yeah, um, definitely. I think even adding to that, the communication side of things, it's not just communication. It's that you have all these expectations that you didn't even know that you had exactly yes. until yes. you're with someone else that does it differently. Yes. And then all of a sudden you have this magnifying glass on you. Of, oh, I do this sort of differently than other people. And you don't realize that it's not wrong. Right. It's yes. not bad necessarily, but it's yeah. different. 100%. And I, I love the phrase that I've heard that expectations are premeditated resentments wow. that you just didn't know that you were going to resent someone for something that you had an opinion about or that you cared about. Mm -hmm. And it would be totally irrelevant to someone else outside of your relationship. And then all of a sudden it's like this fire. Totally. I a hundred percent like resonate with that for sure. The, 
that those expectations, I'm such a victim of my, ex- my own expectations, you know? And so that was like definitely a hard thing, but also what you said about there being a magnifying glass. I think that was a shock that you are, you now have someone who is accountability to you in all things, in all ways, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, totally. As you know, as much as we, you know, have accountability in our lives, pre-marriage with great friends or family that love us and um, you're doing life with, it is just highlighted in marriage. It is expanded mm-hmm. and that that magnifying glass grows grows bigger. And so I think that was also a challenge for us is to see ourselves as broken and our own like resentments and like just like our brokenness come out in marriage and it be revealed to the person that loves us the most, but also like we don't want them to see, you know, that those gross sides of us and that mm-hmm. that stuff and that sin. Um, and so I think that is a real shock in marriage too at yeah. first as well. After yeah. the honeymoon phase, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Because we had that a little bit. Yeah. Kind yeah. of, except for the Christmas tree debacle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was something. Yeah. <laughs> Our story on that's really interesting too. It's like, a, it's a similar but different. And what you were saying, Whitney, was, um, was, was just making me think about it because our thing is compatibility. Like that comes up with us a lot and it's kind of like a cultural myth of compatibility that we, it's kind of the phrase we use because all of the marriage tests, the premarital counseling, the like inventory that you do and turn into your counselor or even the silly quizzes that you do online, mm-hmm. you know, they told us all of those things pointed to Jess and me being very compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went into early marriage thinking, we got this. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to fight like my parents did or like your parents did or those other couples do. We're going to, and we were able to talk about a lot of things, um, really talk about everything. And, and you think, Oh, because of those things are true and we are super compatible. Like, yeah. sorry, Jeff, we wouldn't have, hung, I wouldn't have hung my laundry in the living room. That's <laughs> that's okay. So we were like, we, we were it's past okay. that. So, you know, yeah. in some ways, and that's a funny way to, to say it, but even in some ways we kind of passed judgment on other couples that had those issues because that's we were true. like, oh, we don't have those issues. Right. And that was silly and stupid. And like, I think a lot of young couples go into marriage thinking those things like, ah, well, we yeah. got this. At mm-hmm. least we have this. Um, and that for us was our thing is like, well, we won't really probably fight. And if we do, we'll just talk down real quick, like we'll mm. talk out of it real quickly because right. yeah. we can talk about everything. Um, and for the most part we did, which was unique, but it it wasn't enough. There was still, even, even with mm-hmm. the compatibility, it didn't lead us to exactly where the Lord wanted us to be. And we still had those fights. So it didn't exempt, make us exempt from mm-hmm. the problems of sin <laughs> and yeah. marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing I feel like would have been so helpful to hear early on is that it's about your holiness versus your happiness, which mm-hmm. is kind of offensive to hear because you're kind of everyone's wishing you a happy wedding and yes. happy life yes. and happy life, happy wife, or no, happy wife, happy life. Mm-hmm. All those kind of things with hashtags and things that are on your wedding cards yeah. mm-hmm. and the stuff that people write down, you know, on your wedding day and their little notes to you. However, well, you true. Did it. Those, you know, those are, there's some elements of truth to that, but it's not ultimate. The happiness isn't ultimate. The happiness is momentary and it's good, Mm -hmm. but the holiness thing is what's lasting. And that's um, like compatibility was what we realized that, and even the couples that aren't, that have to work toward it. Right. The compatibility work does not lead to holiness. It leads Mm. to to happiness. happiness. Um, Right. But it's the Christ likeness that leads to holiness. And that's, for us was our big challenge was yeah. mm-hmm. how do we be Christ-like toward each other when in those moments 
that are that were fleeting and you know became became more and more just as the years have gone by and we've had kids and everything magnified. that gap is now magnified where wherever mm-hmm. we weren't quite aligned is now like a big deal mm-hmm. and that's what we're zooming in on because we've kind of been there and done that with all the things that we were compatible on and similar on yeah. and kind of check the list um like yeah. we were talking earlier josh that uh, like you and Haley love breakfast tacos. Like, yeah, you're super compatible, you know, like totally. that's great. Yeah. You can do brunch like, together. It's great. Yeah. It's like, you know, early on, I think you're so infatuated during like the dating phase where it's like, oh my gosh, we're so alike. Yes. And if someone were to ask you, it's like, well, she likes breakfast tacos. I like br- breakfast tacos. You're perfect she likes this together. band. I like this band. Like love we're like jean jackets. Yeah, yes. totally. Like we're like meant for, you know, meant to be. Meant yeah, to be. totally. And then as you get into marriage and you, open up this whole new world that you've never even had to address, you're like, oh, we might not actually see as eye to eye on the world as we once thought that we did, you know, and that does create a lot of conflict. Peter Scazzaro says that uh, we talk a big game about two becoming one, but we never talk about which one. And (laughs) and it's such a brilliant phrase because you think of like, as believers, we love the idea of, oh, what a beautiful picture. Mm. Right. Like two are becoming one. But you have, but someone has to decide which one. You know, either mm. you you become one that's uniquely different from right. the two, while also honoring your own personalities and stuff like that, or one just adopts the other person. You know, yes. which isn't healthy either. And so, it really is such a complicated thing that I think that everyone in theory knows going in. There might be some bumps in the road, but right. I think there's a level of oh, wow, this was a lot harder than I'd even thought initially. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And I would say we. We kind of similar to y'all coiners. I think we felt very prepared for marriage mm-hmm. in the sense we had great premarital counseling um, before we got actually engaged. Whitney, but we knew we were heading in that direction. Whitney and I separately read uh, Tim Keller's "The Meaning of Marriage" yeah. mm-hmm. and got to talk a lot about that. And if you know anything about that book, it is it is not the happiness kind of book. It is very much, hey, here's a realistic picture of marriage yeah. and what it is supposed yeah. to be. Um, and so for us, I think we felt like, okay, okay, awesome. We yeah. got this. Like, let's go in. This is going to be great. Lord is leading us. We're um, so compatible. We're so compatible. We like, you know, a lot of the same things. We're not going to be blindsided. Right. Yeah. And then you, but the reality is you get into marriage, just like you were saying, Josh, and so many things surprise you and you realize, well, we were as ready as we could be. Right. Yeah, it's like almost like all the things that you can't prepare for yes. kind of come full. Because yeah. you're still a sinner view. even though you have the knowledge that it's going to be hard. Yes. 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 Yeah, and stress you also changes things. Yeah, and yeah, oh my gosh, stress. <laughs> yeah, I will probably hit that later as well. Yeah. Just this, you know, you, uh, f- for me, over the past, you know, couple of years, um, and sorry if I'm stealing your thunder if we're going in too early, but like I went through a season of long season of severe depression, like cl- clinical depression and anxiety. Um, there is not a chapter <laughs> on what to do when your spouse becomes clinically depressed. Yeah, totally. You know, like that's not in marriage books, you know, and so that's not something that Whitney was prepared for before we got married or yeah. prepared for when the season came. Mm-hmm. Um, but God's been gracious in that. But anyway. Yeah. So along those lines, how did y'all even begin to wade through that? Through the through his season of depression, anxiety, yeah. all that. Um, 
Yeah, I think for us, so first of all, it was definitely something that started as a gradual progression uh, and something I think at first Jeff in hindsight would say he kept a lot to himself. And so I think for me, I didn't see it kind of unfolding um, as I should, as I should have not necessarily because he didn't tell me, but because I wasn't really seeing it with correct eyes as well. And so gradually he just started sharing, um, about, you know, high levels of stress, anxiety, and then, um, actually started leading to, um, panic attacks sporadically over the course of a few months, but I was never with him. Um, it was when I would go out of town and I think I was at like a bachelorette weekend or something, um, when his first or second one happened. And so anyway, for me, um, how we started wading through that, I would say not well, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. well at first, because first of all, you, like you said, there's no like manual to that. Right. There's no way to like, know. Um, and also I think I just didn't have the compassion that it took. Mm-hmm. I'm Jeff and I like laugh about this, but it's not funny, but <laughs> one of my like lowest spiritual gifts, if you take like a spiritual gift assessment is mercy. Mm-hmm. Me too. And so I just like lacked compassion and mercy. I would just say, it's okay you know what, get up. It's going to be fine. Like, you know, and I just kind of tried to rally and try to like put on a positive, like, you know, look outlook on it. And Jeff is, um, such a four on the Enneagram, (laughs) if that means anyone, anything to anyone and a feeler. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's such beauty in the way that he sits with people who are, um, who are mourning. And, and in that season, in seasons like that, I didn't have, I don't, naturally do that well um he really helps me learn how to do that so anyway that was our first wading into it was not well and then um it was actually well you can tell this part of when we kind of started getting the help we needed yeah I it was actually two years ago I don't know when this is going to be released but it was two years ago yesterday that I had my first panic attack Mm. um and so the first I would say the first year and a half yeah, about a year and a half of our marriage. Um, Whitney went through a really hard season when we lived in Charlotte. Um, obviously, she's newly married, new last name. Um, in many ways, that's even a new identity. Yeah, totally. And then she moves halfway across the country, knows no one, mm-hmm. uh, but no one knows her mm-hmm. either, mm-hmm. except for me and my parents, you know? Yeah. Um, and so she went through a really hard season when we were in Charlotte. And I, I think I had been... Um, I had been living this role of like, I'm caring for her, sort of keeping it together kind of thing. So when I entered into seminary and we moved to Dallas, um, I don't know what it was. I think it was a number of factors um, that really kind of, you know, heightened stress, anxiety, um, spiritual warfare. And I think when that led me into um, the panic attacks and then and then clinical depression and things like that, I think the first lie I started to believe was what is happening to me? I can't tell anyone mm-hmm. um, because simultaneously I was also leading worship at the time and surely a worship leader, you know, can't have depression, right. you know, uh, or someone in seminary can't, yeah. who knows all this about God and, you know, is learning all this can't be on medication, be on medication yes. or, or, or have a misunderstanding of God's goodness in, mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. And so I was, I was a little scared because I, I think I, felt like I went from being strong to feeling very weak and also not being, not, Whitney would ask me like, Hey, what, you know, what is going on? And I would, I mean, through tears, I would try to explain it to her. 
and I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that was, uh, I knew, uh, uh, I knew this was gonna happen. <laughs> uh, that was probably the hardest part was yeah. cause I couldn't, I didn't really know how to communicate it. Um, anyway, fast forward, that was fall of 2018. Um, in the spring of 2019, we ended up moving to Fort Worth. Um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Come praise on. Uh, where I came on, uh, staff at Christ Chapel leading worship and, it was probably our first or second weekend um, being here, and I, I thought, okay, I think this is a thing of the past. I hadn't had a panic attack until, um, you know, the year before, a few months back, and so I thought, okay, this is a thing of the past. And then I think we both kind of had this unrealistic expectation of, oh, if we just we were living with my parents in um, Dallas, which they're wonderful and yeah. they're awesome. But I think we were like, okay, when we get our own place, when mm-hmm. we get a new routine, when we get to a new city, w- everything will kind of be okay. And like yeah. his mm-hmm. panic attacks will dissolve mm-hmm. and right. it'll, he'll get better totally. basically. Yeah. And that's what I was hoping for. That's not how it turned out. <laughs> uh, but that really is, that's, that's what I was hoping for. So I'm, I'm brand new on staff, um, leading worship, uh, Sunday morning. And then we leave after the morning service, um, and then we're coming back later that night for the five o'clock service. And, um, we left and in between, uh, the morning and the evening service about middle of the day, I was laying on our couch and I was trying to take a nap, but it was really bright and I couldn't take a nap and I was trying to fall asleep. I was exhausted. And, uh, if you know anything about kind of, um, what is happening to your body when you have chronic stress, chronic anxiety, um, it really messes up your gut. Mm. Um, and the reason why I'm sharing this is because your gut controls um, melatonin, kind of how you're able to go to sleep. Um, and so as a result, I wasn't sleeping well, which is just heightening, you know, anxiety, stress, depression. Yeah, totally. And uh, I was laying on the couch and all of a sudden I had another panic attack. It just mm. came out of nowhere. Mm. And it was the most, it was just so crushing. Uh, because I felt like, man, I yeah. thought this was over, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not. And now I'm in a new place with new people. And you also feel, I did, I felt this, man, this is a brand, like, this is a brand new job. I just got it brought on staff. Who, who can I share this with mm-hmm. that will receive it and not look at me and go, you know, what's wrong with you kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so, so at that point, Jeff came and I was in our bedroom mm-hmm. trying to nap. <laughs> I think I was. And he woke me up and and just through tears was like, I need help, you know. And I think that was, even though he had told me that and we had known that for a while, I think that that was the first time where I heard, really heard him, mm-hmm. you know. And so saying, I really need help. So um, that night we went to, real quick, just we went to the five o'clock service. And, you know, they always ask for... Um, people to come up and they're like, Hey, we're available for prayer at the end of services, which is, and they very, really are, they really are. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They're really so, there yeah. for you, you know? And so very common, but something that, you know, we didn't feel like we needed in the past, but I said, Jeff, let's go ask for prayer from Dr. Cody McQueen, your brand new boss. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff was like, no, 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 like, yeah, no, no, absolutely not. And, no. um, I said, no, we like, we need to talk to someone. We didn't know anyone mind yeah. you. And so anyway, go up and, um, Cody was there and his wife, Jen, who, um, is, is a licensed counselor. And so we start sharing with them and just really just unload and just, um, Mm. you know, through tears, share with them where we've been, where, where, where we're at, where Jeff is with these panic attacks. And they just, Mm. they listened to us in a way that I've, we've never experienced before. They were so, um, understanding and, and Jen was just, 
tell me more, Jeff. And he would share more. And she was just so affirming. You know, I think he shared earlier, like his biggest fear and obstacle in this season was like just feeling misunderstood, um, that he couldn't really, yeah, explain what was going on, but she made him feel so understood. And from there we got in to see a doctor and, um, a psychiatrist that week. And shortly thereafter went on medication for about a year Mm -hmm. and then slowly weaned off. Yeah. And he is doing so well now. And that's the mm-hmm. long story short. But I think through that, our marriage is definitely stronger yeah. um, than before. Yeah. And it was a really dark season, but yeah. honestly, one that I think truly made us, one, rely on the Lord. And also, um, just ha- for me, it taught me so much about compassion, about, yeah, totally. about sitting with someone who was struggling with that. So yeah, anyway. Michael and I are sitting across the circle both weeping (laughs) Mm. because I always, I don't say I forget, but we know y'all pretty well. And yet we've gone through the same scenario, but the Mm. other way around, Mm -hmm. you know, where I had the anxiety and mine comes out as anger, Mm. not just, you know, inability to function. Yeah. Yeah, And sadness. And that's, that's because I'm a one on the Enneagram. Mm. And so I strive for perfection in all things. And when I wasn't able to do those things, it would lead to anger. And when mm-hmm. my expectations aren't met and the anxiety compiles with that, I get angry. Mm. And just the same as Whitney said, like, I didn't even know how to put into words mm-hmm. what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And I still, when I have anxiety attacks now, I, I still don't know how to tell Michael how to help me. Mm-hmm. You know, and all I want to do is help. All he yes. wants to do is right. fix it. And I can't. It. And, and he it's can't. Like, Mm-hmm. Exposing and, a problem I'm not allowed to fix or unable to fix, which of yeah. course is hard for him because as yeah. the man he just wants to heal the situation to to make it better. And then there's also this anger coming out in Michael because he, like Whitney, was like, "Okay, let's get up, let's do it. You can fix it. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Why are you acting this way? Yeah. You yep. can control this." Yep. And I'm I like, "I cannot. That, I know. I can't same. control this. And it's just so deep, and it's a hormone, you know, and it's." It's hard. And I know that we don't need to keep talking about this exact subject, but I I hope it's an encouragement to people who are listening that there are things that you're going to go through that are physiological, that mm-hmm. are beyond your control, mm-hmm. that yes, Satan is the one who is controlling that and has penetrated this world and, you know, screw him. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, like, he stinks. Yeah. And yet, you know... There's always good things on the other side yes. mm-hmm. of the struggle. Yes. And your marriage is there so that you do have somebody that can love you through that. And the season that I went through with our anxiety being the highest was after we had kids. But for us, it was the darkest season of our marriage mm-hmm. where we have actually had the conversation that I love you, but I don't like you. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely hard because for the first time in my life, I would look at myself and say, I don't like me. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. never, I've never been somebody that looked at myself and been like, I'm ashamed mm-hmm. of who I am. Mm-hmm. I've always been confident and smart and, you know, the spiritual leader in my relationships and that kind of thing. And for the first time I was less than. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a guy, I mean, I look at that and think cause and effect. Did I cause that? Is that right? Right. Was that, is that something you're discovering about yourself that's always been there you didn't see or did I bring that mm-hmm. out or did I put that on you and yeah so that's so difficult it's yeah. so hard and I think that's where for us and what everything we're talking about 
right now um, also as an encouragement to the listeners. Sometimes there are things in your marriage and in your family unit that you can't resolve on your own. Yes. It just kind of becomes cyclical and um, you know unhealthy. And so for us going and taking that step of faith that was so scary, you know, and, yeah. and embarrassing, yeah. Yeah, honestly, sure. um, and vulnerable to say, raise your hand and say, I need help. Yeah. We need help. Yeah. Our marriage needs help. Our, you know, and so doing that though brought more freedom. And honestly, Jeff and I have had so many instances with other couples and families that are going through such similar things. And um, I spoke with a wife of um, at a Starbucks one time and she was like through tears saying my husband is going through exactly what your husband went through, but we haven't told a soul, yeah. you know? And oh. I, so I think that that is also the enemy's tactic to say, hey, for you're sure. in this alone. Isolate. Yeah, yeah isolate. And, but yeah. to to reach out for help to say, you know, I need help with counseling or, or medicine or whatever it may be is, is really the, the most healthy and brave thing mm-hmm. absolutely to do and the right thing to do. So, yeah. And it goes against... I think that I I think I think in Christian culture there's this I think there's a general idea of vulnerability and honesty and I think it's great and we we love to champion for that um until it maybe comes to us personally mm-hmm. and then we're like oh no you Don't know I can't me. yeah and we live in we live in such a um and I you know I love uh, phones and I get on Insta. I'm on Instagram. Don't post anything fun, but I'm on Instagram. <laughs> uh, and but we live in such an Instagram world uh, right. where um, you know everything is just we're just getting the highlights. Um, and so if you were to look at our, for instance, if you were, if you were to look at Whitney or I's Instagram over the past two years, you're not going to see all these posts about this long season of depression just two we've been super in. Super photogenic people. <laughs> oh just but yeah. but and anyway, I I, I say all that um, because. You know, if you are married, going through a really difficult season, um, it can be challenge. Yeah, it can be challenging to feel like you're all alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, every single one of us, um, if you are a Christian, there will be suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we hear that word, we think like persecution or like dying for your faith. Right. Um, but depression, there's a level, like that's a level of suffering, mm-hmm. you know, that we go through. Um, and so, yeah, just a reminder, we're not alone. And also we can't, um, don't do what I did. Don't try to put a face on. Um, cause I did that for nine months and it was crushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the moment that I was able to, um, yeah, just the moment that the Lord broke me to a place where I was, Hey, I need help, you yeah. know, raise my hand. Um, that was the moment that like freedom and, and healing, healing started to happen. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's cool about that story also is that and I think a lot of couples stop at a certain point. And you're, what, you, what you just shared is that when you came back to the five o'clock service and you're, you know, like prayer time is happening and Whitney, you're like, Jeff, I think we should go pray. I think a lot of guys would shut it down there. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. And you tried to, I think. But oh, totally. Like, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean let's go talk to uh, our pastor not, who just hired me yeah, and the tell boss him, too. Yeah. hey, my, yeah. I think I'm going crazy. You know, yeah. that's how I felt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. The best thing that Cody, um, Dr. Cody McQueen said in that in that moment was that- <laughs> Dr. Cody McQueen. Well, I was- <laughs> The doctor. <laughs> Cody, yeah. no, us. But um, that he said in that moment was, because I, I did go up saying, we need prayer, you know, and just like breaking down. And he said, Whitney, you know, we will pray for y'all and mm. we will we will definitely pray for y'all, but you might need help, you know. And and of course, he, he 
I knew what he meant. We did need the Lord's help and we needed prayer and we needed um, intercession in that way. But he was like, you might need professional help. You mm-hmm. might need to see a doctor. You might need to see a counselor. And that was, so, that's just so anti what so many churches, I think, mm. um, maybe not, you know, explicitly, but implicitly say, oh, you know, it's a, it's a sin problem, yeah, you just, know, just pray more, you pray or, more, read your Bible more, more yeah. you know, mm-hmm. is there any, and, and poor Jeff probably for uh, over the course of those nine months was thinking, what am I doing wrong? Absolutely. You know, in my spiritual life, like how, how, what am I, am I yes. not praying enough? Am I not doing enough? Like where, what's the deal, God? Which you know? makes the anxiety worse. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. anyway, that was, that was so refreshing. And so I'm just so grateful for a church, um, like Christ Chapel that that says yes and you know yeah, totally. and and yeah so anyway that was yeah. really good that's incredible thanks for sharing all of that I uh, as y'all were talking I was thinking about the vows that we make on our wedding day mm-hmm. and how I think they're so traditional and they're so ingrained in the culture the for better for worse for richer for poor and sickness and in health and we say those types of things mm-hmm. in such a cavalier way because yeah. that's that's what we have to do in order to get married, right? I have to right. say say these things, follow the script, and then I can finally be married. But when you think about living that out in life, I mean, y'all y'all walk through in sickness and in health yes. for better yeah. and for worse. And when you actually get into the nitty gritty of what f- for worse means or mm-hmm. for in sickness means, you realize this is a commitment, mm-hmm. you know? And it really is a a daunting yet beautiful thing to actually live that out. And yes. to, so anyway, that's just an incredible picture of living out those vows in a really yeah. um, amazing way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let me ask, ask you this. I'm going to change gears really quick. Um, I think part of the things that shock us about marriage is because there's a lack of education mm-hmm. at, mm-hmm at points, right, where, where we're told enough, but then we're not told certain things. <laughs> um, and as the church, I think that we have a huge responsibility to, mm-hmm. to train and equip people to be ready for marriage. And I think the Big C Church does a great job of that as a whole, yet there's always certain things where we can grow and tweak and get better. Um, what areas do you feel like the church as a whole uh, can be more vocal when it comes to marriage? Mm-hmm. I think one thing that comes top of mind um, is just the topic of sex and sexual intimacy um, because, um, shameless plug, this is something that I do for, for I have a, I work for a nonprofit called Pure Hope and um, our vision is a world free of sexual brokenness. And we actually have consulting opportunities and conferences um, for churches and church staffs to learn, you know, how to share God's better story of sex in a way that is, is, um, uh, yeah, but just e- more easy to understand and actually positive because I think growing up and Jeff, you can chime in whenever, but for me, I was raised in the church and I signed more, more purity, you know, <laughs> covenants than I could know right. how, you know, to count. But yes. I, um, I found mine like a couple years ago. Oh back. my gosh. It's a just promise ring on every hand. Yes. <laughs> pro- I had the promise ring. Like, I think that, you know, all of that was so well-intentioned by mm-hmm. the church. It had mm-hmm. such, you know, good intentions and, um, but I think over the years, um, it did a disservice because you can either be on like either spectrum of uh, either side of the spectrum of one, sex is bad, don't do it, you know, right. and you know, pre, you know, before marriage, um, it's wrong, it's 
it, and that produces a lot of shame, you know. Um, but on the other side, it's like, wait till you're married, you'll have the best sex ever, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. And there's like these two extremes. And I think that the church um, has an g- amazing opportunity to talk about the, you know, purpose of sex and God's design for sex is to image and and mirror God's relationship with us, like we were talking about earlier with that fully known, um, fully loved Mm-hmm. you know, idea that, um, so anyway, I think that's an area that I, I want the church to grow in and see and prepare couples better because mm-hmm. I think, um, it just does, you know, people going into marriage a disservice to be on either side of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so how can we, as the church talk about purity in a way that's not, Hey, don't have sex before you're married, but purity is a lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. it's purity is something that you still have to strive for, um, in marriage, yes, you know, that yes, as we, sure. as we walk with the Lord, um, first of all, we are comforted because we know as John, first John three, three says, those who hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So we know that we've been purified by the blood of Christ, um, just through his death on the cross and his resurrection. And so yeah. we are pure, you know, so how do we then as God's beloved sons and daughters walk in purity in our lives. And, mm-hmm. and so that's the bigger pick. When I say like God's bigger, better story of sex, like there's a greater like narrative at totally. play that the world I think has totally hijacked. Um, and so I, I would just like to see the church reclaim, you know, God's better story, his beautiful story of sexual intimacy and yeah. how it it reflects Christ and his church. Yeah. And it is, and it is a better story. I, I think what you said, we both grew up very, you know, similar, both grew up in church. Um, Whitney's dad is an amazing pastor in Dallas and, um, and that's just a plug for him. I just love him. <laughs> um, Jeff Warren. He'll appreciate um, that. He will. But, uh, yeah, we grew up really similar in the church and I think, and I think this is a clear distinction. I don't know if this is something, this is just like a big heartbeat of mine. I think in ministry or in the church world, um, we there are things that are said explicitly and then there are things that are implicitly mm. said. And I think we often focus on what is being explicitly said, but we can often miss what is implied here, yeah. you right. know? And I think what is implied often when we talk about sex or pornography um, or masturbation, those kind of things in the church context is um, there's this implication of, we try to skirt around those topics mm. a little bit. And by doing that, we just heap more shame Absolutely. on people who are wrapped up in that. Um, and I, there are, I guarantee you there are people that are listening to this podcast that were like, oh, he just said the word masturbation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't yes. believe that. Yeah. Exactly. And it, but it needs to become, this is something Whitney and I have talked about. Um, I had a good friend. I say a good friend. He was a good friend of mine, um, still alive. But he <laughs> kind of, sorry, I, I, golly, I made it sound like he was dead. He is very much alive, has an amazing marriage. Um, And he told me when we were engaged, I was asking him just, hey, what is some of your wisdom like on sex and just sort of intimacy and marriage? And one of the things he said to me was, it needs to always be an open topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. He said, my wife and I talk about sex often, Not, uh, not just talk about, you know, like the actual act, but we're, we're constantly talking about it. Um, because it needs to be a comfortable topic of conversation for a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that doesn't just begin the day you get married, um, but that also has to be um, 
that needs to be a part of, of premarital even too, you know, kind of setting that up. Uh, we were, we were talking earlier before um, we started recording, but it, it's this weird, I think sex is this weird thing um, where we say for so long, uh, hey, this is bad. Don't do this. You know, don't have sex before you're married. This is bad. And we make it out to be this kind of a terrible thing. Totally. Uh, but then sometimes randomly somebody will go, no, sex is a good thing. God designed it. And so you're like, okay, like you're kind of confused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then after a 30 minute ceremony, all of a sudden, sex is supposed to be this wonderful gift, yeah. you know? And so you hear kind of what you were saying earlier, you hear pastors that say like, don't have sex before you're married, you know, with their finger pointed. And then you hear other pastors who go, hey, God wants you to have the most amazing sex ever. And you're just so confused. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because we, yeah, we haven't, we have not told God's better story of, hey, this is what sex is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. This is what it's meant for. Um, yeah. And so we just, we mingle shame. And then this newfound freedom in marriage mm-hmm. of, okay, but now we can have sex. But what does that mean? Anyway. Totally. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. I think there is there's this thing within us that that can't turn off 20 to 30 years of mm. right. hearing one message consistently that, hey, this is, and like, even if no one says it explicitly, right. the like implicit message is, oh, this is bad, this is wrong, this is shameful. And when you believe that something is shameful for 20 to 30 years mm-hmm. of your life, mm-hmm. and then on a dime, you're supposed to celebrate it and right. understand magically the beauty of it, that's really difficult if we're not actively having those conversations on the front end with our people of helping them understand the the reality that, no, sex is a good thing, and it's, it's always good because mm-hmm. God declared it good, right? Yes. So... We can take off the table that it's that it's bad because God created it to be good. So we have to talk about the other stuff. So let's talk about the fact that it's good and it's powerful. God has created yeah. it mm-hmm. to be this beautiful thing and it has a lot of power to it. Yeah. And so like any powerful thing, we treat it with a level of reverence, right? right. Like, I mean, it's why, you know, we don't let... 10 year old kids drive, right? right? You know, it's like you have to That's wait. Reckless. Right. Yeah. Totally. It's why there's not an open bar at a sweet 16. Like right. there is this, like, you know, like there's a certain level of reverence to things that have power. And yes. I think that, you know, not having those types of conversations in the church lead to people who enter into marriage and they think, okay, this isn't bad anymore. It's now good, but yeah. well, I don't know what to I do. I feel yeah. like it's like, you know, we have, it's a pendulum swing because we have this thing that's so powerful. I like the way you said that you have to treat with such reverence and it has such a magnetism to it as human beings. Like God mm-hmm. created us to want, mm-hmm. yes, to want sex and to be intimate with each other. Yes. And I think in order to combat how powerful that is, we have to swing the pendulum so far and say, mm. avoid it at all costs. Right. You can't do anything, you know, about sex before marriage. You can't talk about it. We've even had the conversation between Michael and I, you know, what does it look like in premarital counseling? Because even when you talk about sex in a premarital counseling setting, it makes you want to go home and have sex (laughs) and you're not supposed to. And so we talk about what is that, right. What does that look like to have a conversation about sex? Because your body immediately tells you, you have to go and take care of that. You're having emotional intimacy about something that's physically intimate and they're all bounced together very well. And I think that's why the church has swung the pendulum so far to the conservative side that we make it look like it's bad in order to make people not do it. Well, and I think too, something that just exactly what you're saying that we forget is that God designed us, you know, as sexual 
beings, you know, that we were created in his image, male and female. And so something at Pure Hope that we talk a lot about is that sex is about identity before activity. So as God's beloved son, as his beloved daughter, like how am I living into my identity as a son or a daughter before acting in sexual intimacy in the context of marriage? You know, we were talking about how sex is awesome, you know, sex is, um, a good thing and it's powerful and it was, but only in the correct context. Right. And that is in the context of marriage. And, um, I've heard, I think Matt Chandler talk about like there, that fire is a really great thing. It's beautiful. I love this. And, and, and it's so cozy when it's in a fireplace and it's in the right context, but you take that spark from that fire, that match that lit that fire in the fireplace and you put it in a dry forest. It's destructive. Yeah. You know, it's, it's irreparable, irreparable. It's, it's painful, you know? And so I think that we have to, that is where I think the church has, you know, long understood. I mean, we all understand that, that, that there is pain because it's so powerful. It's so bonding, um, between two image bearers of sons and daughters in Christ that, um, it is damaging when it's not in the correct context. And so I think that that's something. Yeah. Well, in God, God always delivers on his promises, mm-hmm. but the enemy always overpromises and underdelivers. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so uh, even as you were saying that, I was thinking about the person who is listening to this podcast um, who who might be single um, and going, I've already had sex. Right. Uh, you know, and I think we really need to be thinking about this carefully so as to not say to that person like, oh, you... You are no longer pure. Right. You know, ah, you ruined it, man. You didn't, you did not, you know, wait till marriage. And, and so you didn't arrive as if it is this checklist thing. Right. But um, purity truly is a relationship, right? Purity is not an, ac- purity is a relationship, not, not an accomplishment. accomplishment. Yes. Right. Because if we are in relationship with the Lord, with Jesus, he is the pure one. He has purified us by his blood. And so if we are in relationship with Christ, Purity becomes a relationship with him. It, like I said, it doesn't stop on your wedding night. You know, yeah. the pursuit of purity is a lifelong pursuit. And so I think just reframing that is something that I think the church um, has the opportunity to do is, is not say that purity is a, is a battle until you're 20, 30 years old and you're, oh, you get married, done. You know, right, totally. it, a check, you know, um, you did it. And it, that's not an accomplishment. It's a mm. relationship with Christ. And as we, you know, pursue him, he is purifying us, you know? Yeah. And I can say, I I love Jeff that you turned your mind towards the listener. I was not a virgin when we got married. And that is a period of my life where Satan attacked me. And I think that it's interesting because Satan has dominion over this world and it sounds so Christianese, but it's true, Mm -hmm. you know, that spiritual warfare is real. Mm -hmm. And just like with anxiety, spiritual warfare is real. And Satan wants nothing else but to attack this temple that God gave us, this beautiful like representation of Christ on earth. That's our body. And I think, you know, before the recording, Jeff, you were talking about how um, that sin, sexual sin is a direct um, attack against our bodies. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not the same as other sins. Mm-hmm. It's more penetrating. That's just a bad word in the context of sex, but <laughs> <laughs> sexual sin is worse, you know, in a way for our spiritual well-beings mm-hmm. because it damages the temple that God gave us. Mm-hmm. But as someone who 
did that, who took that joy away from my future spouse um, in a way. We've had to overcome that, Mm -hmm. but I think I think it's such a cool picture of God's redemption yes. um, because I was able to endure the pain and the forest fire. And I can say that even though there was a forest fire, I prayed for God to renew my mind and to renew my body and to renew my spirit. And that doesn't mean that that sexual sin didn't go away. Mm-hmm. It happened. It's a part of my story. But I can tell you that on our wedding night, I wept because our first experience was like the first time. Mm -hmm. And God has the ability to rewrite your story, even if you've had sin like that, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. God has the ability to overcome that. There's nothing outside of the reach of his ability to make things new. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if for whoever's listening, guy, gal, whatever, who has endured that or who's about to make that decision, um, just look at the forest and ask yourself, is it worth it to burn this down and to have to let it go fallow and wait for the Lord to redeem this? Or can I just blow the match out Mm -hmm. and hang on a little bit longer? Because it may be that much greater of a forest if you just stop, Mm -hmm. you know, stop pursuing that and allow the Lord to work in you in a more powerful way than in a redemptive way. I mean, it's great Mm -hmm. to give God the opportunity to redeem, but it's not necessary. Mm. And the greater gift is going to come if you wait for it in the right context. Yeah, That's good, Jess. I think not to make light of sex and marriage, um, but I think as single people, we make such a big deal Absolutely. out of like, yes. when we get married, we yeah. get to have sex, you know, and but you, your sex life is a very small very part small. of oh your married gosh. life. Oh, yeah. very <laughs> and small. even more, and even smaller for people who value like, for Michael and I, sex is not an important thing in our in our emotional connectedness. Yeah. Conversation yeah. is. Right. Quality time is. Sex, mm, you know, great. It's good. I recognize that's not normal for most It is guys, not but, normal. Um, it is not yeah. normal. But, but it's not necessary for joy to be a part of your marriage. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yes. And but so I, it's not it's not this we spend a lot I mean, we have even now spent a lot of time talking about it um only to say like the amount of time you're having sex versus everything else yes. that is in marriage, sex is a very small part of that. So if if we get too if we get too hyper focused on that one thing, we're we're to continue the analogy sort of we're missing the forest for the single <laughs> yeah. tree. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. exactly. Totally. And when I say the forest, I mean like the Appalachian Mountains, yes. <laughs> and we're seeing a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One brick That's, in the wall of China. <laughs> yeah, yes. yes. That's really important. I mean, I love this question because I'm sitting here as a pastor that works at this church focused on young couples ministry. Yeah. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm loving to hear this. And like, what what can we do better? And what can we, but when we don't talk about it, you know, one right. of the experiences we had when we first got into smaller group community um, at the church is that, you know, whenever you'd split apart guys and girls, the guys would like do prayer requests, you know, and go up and talk about kind of hemming and hawing over how deep they could go in the prayer request, which is mm-hmm. funny. Um, you know, we, we were new to the community, and it was kind of like a lot of people that were new to it, and so you're kind of figuring that out. But then all the girls, like, quickly, as soon as the guys leave, they want to talk about, like, <laughs> body parts and sex and, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything fre- personal yeah. and all the personal stuff. And, you know, of course, like, on the car ride home, everyone's kind of catching up and seeing how things went. And, uh, like, you start to judge your own marriage mm-hmm. and your own mm-hmm. sex life and your own – and it could, it, you know, it could be something not other than sex. You know, like, 
they just redid their kitchen or whatever it <laughs> yeah. is. Right. Totally. Totally. And you're you're comparing that comparison trap of mm-hmm. and then when the church or when your community or your biblical community is not addressing it, um, you're you're still wanting to talk about it and you're still finding right. ways to talk about it. Yeah. And I think that it can be destructive because I, I I remember not destructive so much, but like Jess and I had to have conversations about like Are we normal? Are we normal? Because we're not doing it every night, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we are. It's on a podcast now to listen to forever. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I think everyone's having that conversation at some yeah. level because right. uh, you're comparing yourself to either a celebrity, which is ridiculous, or to the other people around that, like, everyone's marriage is different. Everyone's relationship mm-hmm. is different. Everyone's personality, what drives them is different. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that's really important for couples just in every area of, of – um, of life to remember. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's good. Yeah. I, I think that's such a good conversation for Christians to be having because we don't talk in depth about that, you know, enough. And it really does shape kind of the whole experience and your expectations and, yes. you know, all that stuff. All right. Last question, lightning round. <laughs> if you had advice uh, for couples that are either about to be married or they're just, you know, a year or two into marriage, if you could tell a young couple one thing, what would you tell them? It's not fair. Um, it's each person giving 100%. Mm. That's huge. I feel like we get into this trap of thinking, well, I took out the trash so you cook or you mm-hmm. did the laundry so I'm going to clean the bathroom or even those things aren't really fair. Um, <laughs> it depends <laughs> on how you're wired. But if you start getting into the weeds on that and you're, you're type A or you're a one uh, or whatever it is and you're keeping these records of things that they haven't done or that you have done yeah. um, you're going to start focusing on just the wrong thing yes. Yes. yeah just yes. like that that like tally of I've exactly. done these things therefore yes you should do these things or you're a horrible spouse because exactly. you're not doing these things yeah, yeah. and this other or side of the coin because it's not fair yeah, yeah. Totally. and the other side of the coin is that you know the 100% and 100% is a growth curve on both sides that mm-hmm. the person that might be feeling like they're giving 110% and the other person may may quite possibly be giving 70% yeah they both need to learn what it looks like to dial it up or dial it back mm. to have that open conversation about hey I feel like I'm giving 110% and then the other person needs to come with grace and say, okay, well, how can I meet you at the other 100%? Mm, that's important and not be um, offended. You know, to be able mm. to have an honest conversation, an emotionally intimate, transparent, vulnerable conversation about that to where you're not blaming. Or you could even preface it by saying, hey, it's going to sound like I'm blaming you. I'm, I'm not, but yeah. I feel frustrated. Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to have that emotionally intimate, trust, trusting conversation. And I think... Mm-hmm. The more conversations you have, the more, more vocabulary and the more capability you have to actually communicate those things. Because yeah. I think a lot of the times when you get into marriage and you're learning about this new human being that you're with constantly, like you said, Whitney, um, you don't know how to explain the things that are wrong with you, the expectations mm. that you had. And even yesterday, I think, you know, we've we've had to have a conversation about what it looks like for Michael to use words to edify what he sees in me that make him feel like I'm giving a hundred percent. And even yesterday he said to me, Hey, it meant a lot to me yesterday when I was, he was the one that did all the work yesterday. Let's just put that out. <laughs> he, when he said, you know, it meant a lot to me yesterday that you came over and gave me a kiss while I was doing such and such. You came over and um, rubbed my back as you walked through the kitchen to go do something else for the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you brought a chip with salsa over to me while I was <laughs> yes. at the grill. Yeah. You know, like it's just the little things that made Michael feel like I really appreciated what he was doing because I didn't have the time to tell him yes. you're doing a great job. Yeah. And that kind of feels a little belittling when you yeah. say like, hey, mm. pat on the back. Great job, babe. Thanks yeah. for doing this. And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm doing everything. <laughs> exactly. And so I think even that was a win for Michael to have been able to mm. tell me I remembered at 10:30 p.m. though, which was much 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 later. So But yeah. you still did I, it. And I yeah, my default is to remember it and then oh, it's too late to say it. So I don't but mm. then I just came back and said this is really out of context, but <laughs> let me tell you what I, why I appreciated it. <laughs> well, so. and even a decade into almost a decade into our relationship, we're still working on those things. Yes. I yeah. think that that's okay, you totally. know. Mhm. Yeah. Whitney. Well, Kind of similar to what y'all are talking about. Got any things that I'm just killing it out that you can share with other people? (laughs) How can we pat Jeff on the back? I was just thinking, you know, there have been seasons in our marriage that we talked about on this podcast that I was operating at like a 15% Mm. and and vice versa, right? When when I moved to um, North Carolina, knew no one. And then when Jeff went through his his season of depression and, um, and he was operating at like, you know, a 5% and I was, and that's generous. There, there are going to be seasons of your marriage and of your life where you do feel like you're carrying the load. Mm. And, um, the only thing that brought us through that was our relationship with Christ. Yeah. Like the only thing. And I think we, the, you know, what I would share with, you know, a couple that's listening, um, or an individual, who's in a relationship is that your relationship with the Lord is the most important thing yeah. uh, the, you need to give, you know, so much attention to that. Um, I think it was a poet that said the, that attention is the beginning of devotion. Right. Yeah. And we always want our spouse to like pay attention to us when we're talking, totally. you know, <laughs> and put your phone um, down. yeah, please put your phone down. You know, I hear that all the time. Sorry, Jeff. Um, <laughs> I, I really do. Um, but but that's because attention, you know, um, shows that we're paying attention, shows that we are devoted to mm. someone. And I think making sure that our attention first and foremost is on the Lord and pushing your spouse to make the Lord your your first attention, you know, whether it be in the morning, um, time with him, prayer, that is first. And then second is your is your spouse and, and marriage on this side of eternity is the best picture, the the most accurate reflection of of God God's love for us, and a picture of the gospel. It's gospel reenactment in yeah. the home. You know, is is marriage, and so kind of like what y'all are saying too, like that service to one another, um, that keeping no record of wrongs, mm-hmm. no record of rights. You know, that yeah. Yeah. we're just able to serve one another um, because we've already, um, you know, recognized how um, God has given everything. You know, he gave his son for me. And so yeah. I think that that's kind of what I would say, too, is there's going to be times where you're going to be feeling like you're giving, you know, more than the other. But without Christ and without pursuing him first, um, you know, it's all, you know, for what kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, that'll become a very, yeah, that sounds very noble, but that can quickly become a very selfish thing. Yeah. Right. Of like, well, I've, I've served you all day. So now it's my turn to kick back, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, well, that's, that's not how this works. Right. Mm-hmm. Jesus um, gives a hundred percent with us giving negative, negative a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I think, I think Josh, to answer your question, I think the thing I would say real quickly is just, um, 
I think I hear often, even just in Christian circles, um, I hear people kind of talk about their marriage as if it's sort of this like ball and chain thing, mm-hmm. you know, where husbands will say like, man, I worked really hard this weekend, you know, and so she let me go this weekend to hang right. out with my friends or whatever. Um, and I, if I could squash anything in the world, <laughs> I think it would yes. be that. Yeah. Um, I really do. I, I, I think, I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our spouse and also to the people we're around and for you guys, uh, Whitney and I don't have kids, but to your kids is to always speak highly mm-hmm. of one another, yeah. especially in front of other people. That's awesome. And I don't mean like to put, to put on a show. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But Whitney and I could have a knockdown drag out kind of fight, you know? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, if we're out to dinner with friends um, or I'm alone with just a guy friend of mine, I'm not going to rail on Whitney and say, well, she did this and that X, Y, Z. Um, that does not honor her. Um, mm-hmm. And that does not, that does not bring honor glory to the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. And so I always think just speaking highly of one another yeah. um, is a, is a practice mm-hmm. um, that sometimes is going to be easy and sometimes it's going to be difficult. Yeah. I'm going to tack on to that just yeah. a smidge because I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think in the context of this conversation that it's okay for you to go to somebody to like talk through something, mm-hmm. but I just want to preface it by saying, we always say this in Michael and I's ministry, like draw a circle around yourself mm-hmm. because it's okay to talk about this knockdown drag out fight, but yes. you are That's just good. as much a sinner mm-hmm. as the other person. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to talk about your problems because you have control over them. But I totally agree with you, Jeff, that you don't need to bring your spouse into it mm-hmm. um, and make them look less than yes. in that conversation. Yeah. I think that's where your time with God and your time in the Lord is really going to come in and help yeah. convict mm-hmm. you of those yes. things because that's what got us through that hard season that we mm-hmm. were in is that um, you know one of us started doing that and the other followed suit. And I think practicing, yeah, practicing what we talk about in this podcast and doing that is a big deal. And mm-hmm. um Totally yeah. affirm everything that you all said. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we and we we haven't done that perfectly. No, no. Um, we haven't done that perfectly, and yet I think yeah, there's just such great value. Um, yeah, there's such great value in that. Well, thanks for being here, you guys. It's been great to have you, and those perspectives I think are so helpful. And I'm my prayer and and our prayer as a ministry is just that the Lord would use these conversations that are mm-hmm. honest and vulnerable to to bring other people around and think about think about things differently and um, realize that something is off (laughs) in in marriage even it's not the thing that we all achieved and we got the gold star and our life is perfect and that's something that will always be worked on um, until we die so Mm -hmm. well thank you guys thank you Well, shout out to the Macintoshes. I thought that was an extremely vulnerable conversation and we're just so grateful for them. Uh, So Michael, as we close, give us some of your takeaways. Yeah, one of my big takeaways from listening back into that conversation is just this idea that we continue to change in different seasons and circumstances of our lives. And marriage done the right way actually allows us to get to know each other in those different seasons and know that we don't have anything to worry about. You get to be different versions of yourself, the, the best versions and the worst versions um, as well. And, and there's little to no risk of your, of your partner walking away 
um, so long as you've both entered into the covenant of marriage, and that's really important. We could actually do a whole, a whole episode just about covenant and the idea that 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 is so radically different than this kind of contractual arrangement that gets thrown around and, and the idea of fairness and you put in 50-50 and covenant so different. And um, we have so many great resources that talk about that, that, that we'll pitch at the end. Man, I couldn't agree more. There is a comfort that sets in when you realize, wow, this person is not going anywhere. Um, what's another takeaway? Yeah, secondly, I would say marriage is a mirror. Everything is highlighted, both the put-togetheredness of your life and the brokenness. It's the good with the bad. And the good parts are really sweet because I, I remember one of the very first things that excited me about my relationship with Jessica was she saw me and she got me and our humor clicked and everything. And she saw into me and appreciated me in a way that no one ever really had. No one that close to me had ever really appreciated what I had to offer or how I said things or how I did things. And she would affirm me. I'm not very good at that. It's not, I don't do it the other way around very well because I think of it, but it doesn't come out my mouth, which is a problem that most guys have, I think. But, uh, and we need to work on that because it's not, that's not good. <laughs> but she would say those things to me and I loved that. That was a, that was a good look in the mirror. But there's been times though, where I've seen my ugliness in the mirror and she has no choice but to kind of hold that mirror up sometimes and show me what I'm, what I'm like. And I want to lash out at that because it's, I don't like it. I don't like it about myself. I kind of refuse to believe that that's true. And I look back at the, at the ugliness or the little monster I see. And I, I kind of start, I start yelling at it cause I don't like it. <laughs> and what I'm doing is I'm yelling at her and, um, and, uh, that's, that's, that's not good. That's part of what conflict comes from and not understanding our own driving desires and our motives and, um, that mirror can really cause a problem sometimes. And that's part of what's off in ourselves that we're seeing reflected back to us. And that's why communication and having healthy conflict is so important um, that we'll talk about in just a second. Dude, I love that. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about those resources in just a second. But go ahead and give us one more. Yeah, so thirdly, marriage doesn't solve whatever's wrong. That's what Jesus offers. That's the churchy answer. It's true, though. Uh, marriage can actually sometimes get in the way of us looking to Jesus if we expect the wrong things from it. If we expect marriage to fill all of these requirements in our lives, in our spiritual lives, in our, in our wholeness as a person, then we're missing the mark. And so, yeah, marriage doesn't solve whatever's wrong. I think we've kind of heard that theme in the last few episodes of this particular season talking about relationships. Relationships don't solve the problems. So of course marriage shouldn't either. But I think so often we get into this idea that it, it does. And I remember even when I was uh, an unmarried young guy, then finally dating somebody, it took a long time, by the way. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't jump in to dating culture really quickly. I waited and waited and waited and I found the right one and it was Jessica. And so she was the first person I ever dated. And so much of that was so right and so compatible and so fun. And I felt so fulfilled that I thought, yes, this is what I was missing the whole time. And uh, I can sit in a row of people and I can have her next to me and I feel more important now. 
And there's part of that that's just a seasonal pride and it's okay and it's natural. But then there's a part of that that as it continues, it shouldn't lead you to believe that you have solved something. You have just introduced another person who also has something off with them, just like you do with you. And now you're, the benefit is you're a team. You can figure it out together, much like uh, the example from Jeff and Whitney in this episode where they're confronting anxiety and depression together. Um, they can now be a team to help each other. But, um, but there's also this underlying expectation that you won't have problems because you're together, but that's not true. And so going into marriage well-armed is really important. Absolutely. And speaking of being well-armed, we actually have a resource that does just that. Uh, go ahead and tell us about that. Yeah, so many things that we just talked about in this episode and in the end part here where we're wrapping up about covenant and contract, about uh, marriage as a mirror, are really explored better and more in depth in a way that you can really interact with and a resource that we have at Christ Chapel. It's called Avenue. Um, you can find out more information about it at avenewcouples.com. Um, it's spelled that way because it's a, a new path that you're entering on. Um, just like any good old church minister, you got to have a fun name for it. But um, it's really intentional and it's designed for you to get on the same path in your relationship. We go through several sessions that are topical and we pair you with some other couples that are in your same life stage and a coach couple that is going to walk with you through the process and you even get to hang out with them afterward if you'd like. Um, uh, it's a great resource for you to bring a neutral third party who's for you, who's for your relationship, um, who will speak truth, who will hold up their own mirror for you. Um, but it allows you to really have a time to get together and talk about this content. And whether you're married or seriously dating or you're engaged, um, we would love to see you there. Definitely go check that out. Michael, thanks so much for being a part. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. And thanks for tuning in to this season of Something's Off. Mm-hmm.